The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit, and I am here with one Dan of the Silver Hounds. You may have uh, heard an interview that I had with him. Uh, was that a couple years ago? Okay. Yeah, it was a while back. Actually, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah about to. Okay. And uh, myself. what we're going to be talking about tonight is uh, a little bit different than s- kind of the way that we normally do Smack My Pitch Up, where we're not getting into the nitty gritty of specific actors and uh and doing the funny and the and the serious on the on all the actor parts we're going to be talking more about the uh the genre of samurai films primarily yes. kind of roaming around the zatoichi films the blind swordsman films yes yes so uh what is it Thank about you, by the way for doing this oh absolutely <laughs> you totally did not have to <laughs> no i was excited about doing this yeah. as a subject matter it's such an interesting uh genre and yeah. there's such uh there's a lot of depth to some of these films in samurai films that really talk about like kind of the nature of man well, yeah I'm, a lot of it was like you know classism well class warfare really. absolutely like, you know like um and it was like just interesting to see how like centuries of that helped shape their modern cinema like mm-hmm. you know when it became a thing like and then like then you have their cinema now and how markedly different it is now that they've started absorbing in all the different uh cultures like how they like their style, like the Western style of filmmaking and stuff. A lot of it did sort of kind of change a bit, but like it's interesting when you see like you know good modern day samurai films. There was one um, uh, sort of desperation, I think, um, that was like a couple of years ago. Like I think two thousand ten or eleven. I can't remember, but it was like I, I don't recall seeing any uh, any good Western interpretations of it yet. Okay, really? I mean, we have. Uh, with the westerns when they started coming out but you know we've moved away from that you know today uh so our style of filmmaking is wholly different now even so well i feel with and it may very well be the case with samurai films as well as that the western itself is Mm -hmm. not so much being a regular player in genre uh films anymore or it's not its own genre so much is it's uh more so that the style of the western has incorporated itself into other genres yes yeah it's become more of like yeah yeah that's actually that's a better way of looking at it it's like it's become it's permeated into everything everything. yeah you look at stuff like uh i mean hell the solo movie uh, yeah yeah that came out that has very much kind of a western tone oh yeah no i got a lot of that and it sadly flew over some people's heads like I know several people that are fans of the same shit that I am. Yeah, and then they were just like, mm, "That was a bad movie." I'm like, "What? <laughs> Did we watch the same movie?" I mean, at the <laughs> climax when he just straight up shoots dude yeah, right yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. That was a, like that's a just straight yeah. up. And the quick draw, by the way, guess where that came from? 
guess what series that came from? <laughs> the Zatoichi film series. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of back and forth with westerns and samurai uh-huh. films. And for good reason. It's the lone gunslinger yeah. and the samurai. You know, like, it's got a lot to... Ki- I, I Like, I'm definitely not going to, like, you know... Uh, discount any other uh samurai film even now when we're talking about like you know what influenced westerns and stuff like by and large yes like akira kurosawa was like a great contributor but primarily to the italians okay not necessarily the western filmmakers but the tropes and all that stuff a lot of that stuff that all all the uh all the western filmmakers started doing sure definitely from zatoichi okay like oh, oh i'm sorry i'm banging yes. the thing okay where, no it's definitely like you know like I was just saying earlier, um, once upon a time in the West, the whole thing is that this guy's kitchen that he goes around and he plays uh, his harmonica. Uh, Zatoichi, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He has like this little flute that he plays because he's a masseuse. Back in the day, what you would do is that you would, you know, walk back and forth from town to town offering your services, and that was a uh, a vocation primarily meant for blind people because since they were blind, they couldn't see anything, and they were allowed to touch both men and women. Ah, oh, so okay. They would massage. So what he would do is that he would blow on his whistle as he was walking around in town, and then he would come across the bandits, you know, the bad guys that see this guy, this unassuming guy. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say unassuming. He looks helpless, and they're going to go rob him and shit. And this is pretty much the setup for almost every Zatoichi move. Well, not every Zatoichi, but definitely a good bulk of them. And it's that trope, the unassuming badass, the unassuming master. When you get that a lot with the spaghetti westerns as well, you look at yes. all the Clint Eastwood films uh-huh. where he goes into town. Yeah, he no, no, looks very he was very much and... a, an Akira Kurosawa uh, staple. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's kind of the basic setup for the Zatoichi films, and it's of course been a massive uh, inspiration to all sorts of different genre films. Yes. Um, you, you see a lot of that inspiration in like the Kill Bill series from Quentin oh, yeah. Tarantino. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it not even subtle. Like that is blatant. In fact, I'd like to even see. And this is why I'm. This is why I'm fearful for you right now. This is either going to be a very short and concise <laughs> podcast, or we're going to hardcore, not even deviate. It's just that there's so much to talk about sure. regarding this. Um, yeah. So apologies if you're going to be like trimming down like ten hour long thing. Oh, we're not getting no, to ten hours. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying like, you know I will pump the brakes by that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh the reason why I also like the Zatoichi series is that they also focused on the actual fighting too. And the thing that flies over a lot of people's heads is that samurai films, what makes good samurai films mm-hmm. is never the fighting. It's always about the drama. And then the drama and this is why like uh, people confuse samurai films with martial arts films. Oh, I they thought you were going to say wrestling Brazil. because, you know, the, the, the wrestling isn't the good part. It's all the drama in between that well, really makes it. Well, there you go. Another thing from, you know, Japanese samurai films sure. that has translated and somewhat influenced a popular pop culture. Although I thing. would not want to see, like, Zatoichi in, like, a, a singlet, like, doing the DX, like, Well, thing. if you watch some of these movies, man, there are times where he's just wearing a thong. Because <laughs> back in the day, that's all they, you know, that, sure. that's how they dress. But, no, it's like, um... That was one of the few times that in a samurai film they uh they focused a lot on also on the combat because it, that that was part of the kitsch. Mm-hmm. Here's a blind guy, so how is he going to fight? So then they made that like the centerpiece of it. What makes a great samurai film though has always been the jo- uh the drama, and then the the combat was a way to close it off, which is why like in a lot of those samurai movies, when you compare them to say uh kung fu movies, mm-hmm. kung fu movies they focus on the drama during the combat. So you're gonna see these ebbs and these falls, like you know, the great the greatest fight scenes you're gonna notice. It's like it's it's a it's a story on its own. They they also focus on the the the, the martial artists' faces a lot. That's mm-hmm. why they do a lot of single takes and stuff. They want to capture that drama, and that's where you get like your strongest fight scenes, modern and past. 
over there and like you know uh, for for the japanese samurai films what they would do is like uh the combat didn't really matter mm-hmm. it was the closer so you had some of the most badass finishing moves okay and sometimes you'd also have just like the whole thing it's like the whole thing was like that that's how good they are that it did that the drama was leading up to him finally doing his master stroke so it's over in like one move or less sure so it's like approaching that zatoichi did both they focus on combat when it happened mm-hmm. and then they would have things that i would like to call like uh uh the display of mastery scene i, I don't have a great name for it a finishing move <laughs> yeah or like it, it's not always like a finishing move even sure. it's like a thing where he just displays this insanely skilled precision strike on anything like a candle or something like that sure and you or a toss you, anybody that's seen like a a mm-hmm. martial arts or samurai film, like yeah. all of them have that, where there's yeah. something that shows the but mastery is, of their of their yeah. skills. And that, in my opinion, sort of really Zatoichi. Once again, the whole film series, all 26 movies, they always feature something like that, and that's why when we're going to be talking about a reboot, mm-hmm. right? It's not even a matter of like what movie you're going to reboot, because like literally the. Within the series itself, they've done their own reboots where they've like reused certain tropes. They've gone back and mined their own stories sometimes. Sure. Because it's been that long of a series, even their television show. Uh, because, yeah, they went on to make a, like a television show outside of the 26 movies. 26 freaking movies. So it's like. Yeah, you thought Marvel was doing a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh... And then. <laughs> and they even did uh, um, crossovers too. They did. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Zatoichi uh, meets Yojimbo and Zatoichi and the One-Armed Swordsman. Nice. So once again, like I said, like you know, this was that thing where they brought together the samurai film with the martial arts film. Okay. They're not always they're not it's one can be one without the other, you know. And this was that thing where they did both and they did it successfully. So it's like when you're rebooting that, it's like you really have a lot that you can work with. So anything that you do can be done right as long as you understand what these these uh, pillars are of a Zatoichi move. And that's kind of what – before we start talking about remutes or remakes or reimaginings, um, yeah. the, the pillars of it. It's the the lone master, yes. right? He's got to be alone. Yeah. doesn't matter if he ends it on a high note or not. The, the whole point is that he's a lone wanderer. He's the lone wanderer trope that was – so, like, you know, copied wholesale and, like, you know, every other thing after that. Like, I'm pretty sure it was in written literature, too, beforehand, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, this is the series that kind of made it a thing, too, because sure. it's like – and he's also the unassuming master. That's also another trope. It was, like, those two and one. He was the guy that – so when I say literally anyone can play Zatoichi, I mean that wholeheartedly because it – well, okay, not anyone. It can't be some guy that looks like an obvious badass. Sure. But it's got to be someone that understands a lot of what makes that person unassuming and then what great power comes from that. So. Well, it's that you get that not even with action films, but the idea that, you know, the the greatest power that somebody possesses is knowing when not to use it kind of exactly. thing. Where it's And this is like the one of the perfect displays of it, too, because he's as a, his even his characteristics, they're easy enough to mimic. You can any like any interpretation of him. Mm-hmm. uh be it a reboot, a remake, or a continuation just with the new actor, it's like you have to take into consideration, right? Like, sensibilities have also changed. Like, there might be a few things, obviously, that are not so PC now that sure. might have popped up. Oh, yeah. But they were also very ahead of the time, which was something I wanted to also talk about eventually because, like, we need a Zatoichi movie now. One of the reasons being, or even a Zatoichi Netflix series, Netflix hit me up. <laughs> 
like is because um they were ahead of their time when yeah. it came down to uh the women's perspective a large amount of their stories focused on the plight of women at the time and like you know and yeah he people go but oh but now he's their fucking white knight it's like no he was the unassuming guy and in fact he was usually the pawn he was the guy that kind of came in there and was just the catalyst or they used him to achieve their means okay so and not necessarily like in a you know a bad way either sometimes it was because he realized shit this is bad stuff going on but oh i don't want to get involved but which that itself yeah. is its own trope and yeah. the, the, like the begrudging hero kind of thing it's also the reason why i loved mad max even more because mad max was a zatoichi film oh i mean up and down that's yeah. the, the Fury classic Road specifically yes Especially Fury Road, but Fury Road was absolutely a Zatoichi uh, film in the future. Yeah. The unassuming badass lone wanderer type guy who gets embroiled in matters of state. Mm -hmm. And amidst all this was like uh, women. Like that. They were being mistreated. Either mistreated or like they were the ones that were like there. And like, and all he was was just an agent. Like that's it. Or a catalyst, but he was never like, you know, the, the, the truly the sole focus. You know what I mean? It's not just about him. It's about his experiences with them and it's about them too. And that's what a lot of the Zatoichi films did too. Like that was like the central focus of mm-hmm. that whole part of his life was that he got pulled into this or he, you know, was like, no, yeah, you're right. This is bad. This is wrong and I will get involved. And that's where the Zatoichi films uh, differ a little bit from, say, the super machismo 80s action movies where yeah. you still have the lone uh-huh. like badass but, but it's yeah, focused they, entirely on, on, on the machismo yeah, and like absolutely. over here it's like no he was he was just the unassuming master and like he he, he could have been anyone as long as they were dedicated enough and as long as they had a good heart that's why I, I say it's like literally one of the, my one of the ideas that i think would be awesome is if they made a Zant, uh, zatoichi anthology series mm-hmm. on netflix but different directors and different genres or different takes on it huh like it could be a sci-fi movie right because uh, all right you know what i'll I'll get to that okay because like and i know you want to also like i'm sorry if i'm like totally no 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 no. we always talk a bit about the property and like what we want from the reboots or remakes before we get into it so so the pillars and this is what as long as you have these four you can do it in any genre right Mm -hmm. i don't even know if it's four right now i'm just spitballing right now but definitely the gambling scene there's always a scene where he gambles. And the thing is, um, the movies that didn't have the gambling scene, I think there were like, I think two or three of them that didn't really have that. It, they, they felt like they were missing something. Because sure. a large amount of that is that because he's blind, he goes by his sound. He was the Daredevil before Daredevil. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. He was the pre Daredevil. <laughs> well, he'd be able to tell. Daredevil. Yeah. He could gamble and then he could get away with it like that. Yeah. And they even explored at one point whether or not, since he was sort of a gangster kind of di- uh a wandering gangster as well, like he mm-hmm. was kind of Yakuza, like that's the whole thing, like he wasn't on the up and up either, was that uh, they kind of explored a little bit that he also cheated a bit himself yeah. while gambling. But the whole thing is like, it's this one scene where he, show- he shows you that he can, he- he's got wits about him. And sometimes it would also display... um. Uh, his remarkable feats of swordsmanship as well, because like there would be times like you know when they're just about to toss a die and he knows it's a loaded die, he'd like slice in midair, and like the blink of an eye, and sure. then they'd land and you'd see that they were weighted, and everyone that was like, oh, you know, that's a scene that needs to be in there, because it's like wow, that was not only badass, but it's like no, now he's actually playing the game too, and he's like you know he can outwit people, mm-hmm. 
Um, because like, yeah, they they have scenes too where it's like, you know, how much am I going to bet here? And they're withdrawn. And then like, you know, obviously some back in the day, the way they told the story was kind of ham handed. Uh, but you know, that's understandable because that's how they, it's a play actually. Sure. Most of those samurai films were like, you know, very matter of fact because like, you know, there were uh, a lot of theater sensibilities. Well, and a lot of these films, um, not just in samurai, but uh, any of these films that are are almost parables, um, that are, they're telling the, the, balance between good and evil it's a morality uh-huh. tale you're gonna have big ideas that are that with big brush strokes yeah. that they're gonna be using to kind of they would do that too with this with the writing in particular but it's I, like i said it's something that i very much appreciate like, sure you know for that's time but like how would we update that now make it a badass gambling scene like okay. it would be like one of the craziest things where like you're gonna watch excuse me like you know everyone try to outwit each other it'd be like this whole thing where he's at a table instead of just like you know one versus one or you could do that still but like you know stakes need to be high at some point and then he's got to show that he can also outwit the opponent to force them to cheat and then when they cheat boom the sword comes out and then you have now oh by the way he's also a motherfucking badass yeah 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 so you're definitely gonna need that one that's the first pillar okay right there and the second pillar is obviously going to be the one fight scene where he's going up against a squad of people. Sure. Like, you know, like, you know, you've beat the thugs that come out out of the woodwork uh, about to rob a blind man or, you know, um, uh, the gambling house that he just kind of ripped the, off. He ripped they're going off. to send people sure. after him. So they're all skilled. It's like at different skill levels. But I'm keeping this separate from the duel. The fight scenes need to be good too, but you also the other pillar is the duel between him and it's I can't even call it the bad guy because it's not always a bad guy, but he's got a duel against another master. Well, it's the the main antagonist, I guess. Well, not even like yeah. Sometimes they're not even agents of their own thing, like of the story. They they, they don't they have they don't have their own agency within that uh, story arc. Sometimes they're just unwittingly. Oh, I'm involved now, and I have to, and in. What I loved about a lot of the the, the greatest ones, the greatest Atuichi movies, always feature the sympathetic guy where like they're actually friendly with each other and they get along well. And they're like, yeah, no. And then like, you know, they, they start having great conversations. Mm-hmm. They they make life comparisons that tell the stories, uh, that give us the life lessons that, you know, these movies should be giving us. You know, yeah. like oh, I did this and but you shouldn't punish yourself that, blah, 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 blah. There's like a billion billions of different ways that you can go about that. But you have to have the duel with the other master. And when I say master, the reason why I call it that is because he also should be imparting knowledge as well. And then with the passing of that master, if he beats him, either outright kills him or beats him in some other form, like that knowledge will be passed. Okay. That's what's important because that happens so many times throughout the movie that it's become its own pillar. Like, you know what I mean? Outside of the actual. That's very, like, kind of the entire basis of Highlander is that entire, like, passing. Well, yeah, passing of the knowledge. Yeah. Um, No, great catch. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think about that one. And then the fourth one, it has to have a criminal underworld fully realized. Because back in the day, it was super easy to just have it as, you know, the Yakuza. Sure. You know, um, of that era. Where, like, you know, sometimes they were even involved in politics. In fact, politics was a big part of it. You know what I mean? But never the actual dealings of it. It was always, like, the underhanded shit. Sure. That you would bring to light. And, like, you know, they would involve, like, you know, the gangsters. That's so easy to do now. How difficult would that be to do now? It's, like, super easy. Yeah. And in a world where we have seen how cool it is when you go all out with your world building in your action movie, 
thank you, John Wick series. Oh my god, right? Yeah. You can fully build this entire world of, like, this connected system where they have, like, you know, where, where one thing is going to lead to the, uh, one thing is going to cause another thing, and you're going to see that. Well, also, is- it's it's a combination of both uh, smart uh, set building and also really smart writing that you don't need yeah. to go into long diatribes explaining the universe. It can be an yeah, offhand yeah. thing that exactly. you, they, as an audience member, pick can, it up. you can fill in the blanks uh-huh. to fill out that entire aspect. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is just present it. You don't have to do Captain Exposition. You right. know what I mean? Like, like you said with John Wick, the one thing that I really like with John Wick is the coins. Yes. They n- they never explain the coins fully, but they fully. don't have but, to. Yeah, and my I, I love this one theory too, right? Is that um, they are a peace offering. They are. In a world where you've got nothing but killers, right? Yeah. And you don't know who's on the take and who's going to stab you in the back because like of the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. What do you use? What's valuable? An offering of peace, right? So what great idea that the genius that came up with this was to freaking, hell, it's a coin. Yeah. That's why, despite all the money that they all have, people have so few coins. It's okay. Be- because it's worth more than money. It's, yes, it's-, it's, it's not even money. It's not currency. Mm-hmm. Those gold coins aren't currency. It's a token of, of peace. So that's why when they pass it to each other, you notice that everyone's usually jovial, but they're still like reserved. It's like, hey, you keen on earning a coin? And they're still pointing their guns at each other. Mm-hmm. And only when he goes, okay, does he put their, do yeah, they put their guns okay. away? Same thing too when uh, in uh, John Wick 2, when they uh, have the drink. You think that he's paying for that drink with the coin? No, he's just saying, yeah, I'm not going to kill you right now. No, so you had a marker. Yeah. And I feel, I feel for you, but you killed someone close to me. You killed my ward. So I promise that it won't be. Uh, I promise it'll be quick. Consider it a professional. That's one person. of my favorite scenes in that entire movie because it's so yeah. professional about how exactly. they're handling it. Is that neither no, one of them have honor. any real? It's honor. Yeah, that's... They, they they live by a set of rules, and it's a fully real. And the only the only way that worked as well as it did too. I mean, it worked. It would have worked regardless. But considering the fact that it had this whole world built around them, mm-hmm. and that's why I love that they didn't fucking panhandle. They didn't like you know try to bash you over the head with the exposition. Nope. Because that will kill a story yeah. faster than anything else. And that is also very much a trope of... Well, okay, I wouldn't necessarily... It's always in samurai films, because I, I know there are definitely a few that kind of just... But but it's it, a pretty yeah. common yeah. element. In, Zatoichi, in the Zatoichi series, that was also one of the things. Like okay. uh, They never fully explained, for example, who he is and who he exactly got his training from, except in, I think, the second or third movie. But <clears throat> literally, you don't even have to watch the first three movies at all. Yeah. Like, you can jump in at any point... And they're all their own story. All you need to know is that he's a lone wanderer that wandered into this town. And then now you get the whole setup. Whether or not they tell it concisely, that's going to be up to you. Yeah. Like I said, it's 26 films. Uh, all of them great, but of varying levels of greatness. And there's obviously going to be one that's, you know, kind of going to be Yeah. <laughs> With that many films, there's no way you can keep oh, yeah, it going, yeah. you know. For... As long as you respect, like, I guess, the tropes and it's how you approach those tropes. Sure. Those, those pillars, for example. Some of them did it well, and others kind of failed, or like you know they obviously started filming stuff uh, utilizing trends. For example, like the later uh, Zatoichi films, uh, I would say you know, watch at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of missed the, the yeah, boat right. a little bit. Um, it, it, it's like one of those things where it's like those, I'm I'm never going to say they're terrible because sure. they're not, but it's like yeah, you can so tell that this was a product of that that time. Sure, you know. 
All right. So uh, with these pillars as being kind of the foundation for building a uh, a reboot or a remake, are you, uh, are you looking to do one or the other or both or? That's actually uh, one of those things. Like uh, you can, you can literally do both at once because they've uh, essentially. I think it was uh, the eighteenth film, or was it? Okay, somewhere down the middle of the line. Okay, I can't get into specific. Like it's twenty six films. And sure. I've recently only now. By the way, if there are any other Zathuichi fans listening, I've only recently started binge watching them again because, like, uh, I used to watch them when I was a kid. I saw maybe four or five when I was a kid, and sure. this has opened up a whole thing. And now it's like. No, it's it's all it's still amazing and it's great, but I might be a little off on my counts right now. But halfway through the films, they almost do a soft reboot themselves because all the way up to this point, everyone knows who Zatoichi is, and everyone fears him, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, it's this guy!" And then it creates like you no know, storylines, I guess, out of that. Yeah. But them going back and nobody's ever heard of him. Again, you know what I mean? Like they, they uh, after that movie, I think oh, God, I really wish I remembered which movie it was. But they just kind of took his, uh, yeah, his notorious, uh, yeah, his persona. Yeah, it's no longer there. In fact, it, the movie kind of opens up with him doing something a little bit out of the ordinary, um, and that's why I really wish I can remember what which one this was. I think it was the nineteenth film, and like um, he does this act where normally it's reserved for him defending himself or like a bad guy. And he does it and he realizes it was a mistake, obviously like, you know, he's been fooled, but the whole thing is it starts off almost like, you know, wait a minute, nobody's ever heard of him. What's going on now? It's like, is this a, a prequel or is this a reboot? Now and with the Zatuichi films, oftentimes you're not really sure what order they happen in. either. Yeah. No, right? yeah, you, you don't because like, each one is its own self-contained story. I think there's only, I think, two movies where a character has shown up twice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's a little weird and confusing. It's just like, I'm not confusing. It's like, yeah, you can literally just go anywhere with it. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an order that you watch them in because obviously there's going to be little elements in each one that you're going to like personally. Sure. On a different level. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, they even use the same actors for uh, – uh, different roles sometimes like um because uh, they um they broke off eventually and made their own production company so they became kind of like traveling roadshow except nice. they with with films yeah it was like the same group of people they just chose different uh cinematographers and uh directors to work with but yeah it's like you can literally do both a reboot and a remake now it'd be the same it'd be like the essentially the star trek reboot yeah you can literally without having say, to do time yeah. travel exactly <laughs> you can either make it take place and that's what i was saying too like you can Though, as long as you get those four pillars right, it will feel like a Zatoichi movie to Zatoichi fans, and it will appeal to newcomers as well. So that's why you can make it a sci-fi. Uh, you can make it a sci-fi western, mm-hmm. literally. Make it cyberpunk, even, and um, it would still work because you'd have all the tenets that you need: human greed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, uh, an, an unassuming master can be anyone. You know. The whole point is that it doesn't have to be, but obviously in this case he'd have to be blind and he'd have to have like a sword cane. That's sure. like just one of those things where you have to. But you can literally do both. Like you can have it. Um, you can have it in any form. And I have one that's super dear to me, like mm-hmm. how I would do it. And I'm a little bit hesitant to discuss it because it's something that I'm kind of working on. Okay. But like you know. Well, see, this goes out to the world, so if anybody steals it from you, you have proof that you came up with it first. So. True. Yeah. True. So this is your uh, your safety. Okay. Well, here. so how ha- ha- how willing are you to subject yourself to my insanity? 
Um, I mean, you're going to get some of mine too. So okay, yeah. All right. So how I would do it? It would be a urban musical. Because the greatest martial arts movies that we've seen are, in essence, musicals. They are dance numbers. Yeah. That's I what can... they are. And not just like Shaolin soccer and... Uh... No, no. Just pretty much, no. The greatest ones that we have. Like, you know, when you have, like, your fight scenes, for example, they've got this crazy rhythm to them. And you'll notice how they, like I said before, they focus on the drama itself. Mm-hmm. So what's happening here? Also, oh, they're, they're, they're doing choreographed moves and everything, right? Basically dance dancing, number. yeah. So you're literally watching that. So why not we take that and run with it? Because music in the Zatoichi films has always been important. They've always featured in it some form or another. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Beat Takeshi film that he did, I think in 2001 or eight or like I said, I'm really bad with it. It was a it was a remake of it, and he only did one, and it was a bummer because it was actually pretty good. Um, some things I definitely would have done different though, like I, that I was not happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a great movie, so if anyone wants to check that out, the Beat Takeshi one, um, he um, he focused on the music too, <clears throat> and I really wish he ran with it too because you know what he did? He almost started making it like it was a musical, and that they could hear and like um, he would hear the rhythm out of nowhere, and I was like, interesting. It's like, can you imagine how that would be if someone, if we decided to run with that? Is this how he's able to see not just rote sound? Is how he's able to fight? Because he can sense the rhythm in other people's movements. So how would you translate that to a fight scene, right? And then I just can't think of a better way than focusing on the music and the aspect, the musical and the rhythmic aspect of a fight scene. So they would be Hong Kong level style fight choreography, but you still have to pay respect to the way the samurai did it, where you still have quick closers, quick finishes. You know, So, so it's a, like, uh, it's a samurai or hong kong fighting type movie with a little bit of sort dance of. fighting kind of yeah uh, yeah like no it wouldn't it wouldn't be like dance fighting no like, not, yeah, not yeah. stylistically but, but as we far would as... have a lot of rhythm and the way that i had in mind would be like you'd have he'd be fighting masters it'd be different masters that he'd be fighting not just one but there's definitely gonna be the one that he fights that's gonna be that one pillar the duel with the master mm-hmm. everything else is gonna be a fight scene but instead of doing crowd fight scenes he might he'll have like maybe one crowd fight scene i would do it where he fights Different people from different fighting backgrounds. And then, so it'd be Zatoichi versus this guy, then this guy, then this guy. And it'd be this escalating thing before he gets to the final bad guy. So it'd be literally an urban musical dressed up as a fighting game, dressed up as a Zatoichi. <laughs> nice. Just going multiple tiers yeah, on this. But you'd still hit, you. anyone can make a successful Zatoichi film as long as you focus and go all out on those four pillars. If that was four that I just said. But. Yeah, and like, what better way than to have that take place at a gambling house, like uh, warring gambling houses, for example, and then like, you know, they'd, he'd have to fight his way up the different tiers of a gambling house where each pit boss is like, you know, specializes in a different fighting style that has its own different kind of soundtrack. You know, and when I say urban, I'm not even just talking about hip hop, I'm talking about anything. It could be like, you know, like just percussion like jungle drums and then the next one he's fighting it's like industrial style music and that happens a lot with superhero films where each uh hero has their own basically theme that plays when they appear on the screen so now we'd be focusing on the bad guys yeah or not necessarily even the bad guys because like i said earlier they don't necessarily even have to be bad guys they just have to be there like you know and they'll have a begrudging respect even or some of them might even be friendly and they don't want to fight and now they have their own theme music 
and you're only ever as strong as your villain, right? That goes double so, double, doubly, doubly so for the unassuming badass. Yeah. Because, you know, if they're these cartoony villains, then it's cheap and easy. You know, oh, okay, done, because I've always been this unassuming badass. But meanwhile, when, like, you know, he has to struggle with, should I? Why should I fight you now? I don't want to kill you. Like, you know, he has to struggle. And then you paint these pic- these uh, you paint these pictures of these bad guys. If they're too broad, then so, you know, it's not going to make any sense. Like, you know, why he's like, you know, oh, wait, you know, like his whole personality is that he doesn't want to always get dragged into it. Well, and that feels like almost there should be two different themes that are incorporated into the, uh, the unassuming badass because there's the like uh, kind of softer um, – softer song that's going to go in when he's trying to avoid conflict, trying to just get by and not doing anything. And then once it gets to like a, Oh, bad is about to be broken. uh, Then that's where the like more epic nature type Uh song comes on. The conflict and the music. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, like it'd be thundering by that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, or maybe that's how I would do it. Or maybe one song that incorporates both. Like uh, one of my favorite uh, concept albums of all time is uh, Quadrophenia by the who and love rain over me. Kind of not too familiar. So I can't, but but tell me love rain over me is the last track on the album. And throughout the entire album, you hear elements of it kind of interwoven at the beginnings and ends of tracks where it kind of builds up. So by the time you reach the song, Mm -hmm. it's been anticipated the entire album. Yeah. Yeah. And also the very beginning of it is this softer kind of almost symphonic introduction into the song. And then, when the guitars really break into it and and the the vocals get like loud and full of angst and and pain and you feel all of that and it's just big it's huge but it started as this very kind of like elemental symphonic introduction and it all into one song yes and now that's a great idea for it too yeah so like that would be it that would like how like all these different themes now uh, uh, fighting the different guys, and then when he finally meets the final bad guy or something like that, then or like the the duel with the master, or when he makes his confrontation, then yeah, that that final crescendo hits. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually also one of the things too that I was gonna uh discuss too. Um, I guess the the not really talked about fifth pillar it isn't necessarily even just a pillar of the film series in general. It's just in film in general. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's got to be a four act structure, and that might cause a lot of hesitation because three-act plays, three-act story structures sure. were for kids. Okay. And that's why we adhere to them super strongly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bummer because we just, it, it seems to me that we as Western audiences just can't seem to let go of that. It's like why are you – it's like there's so much more that you can tell with, uh, with different structures. Well, like culturally, there are so many different yeah. – um... And the Japanese fucking hone that shit in with a five-act play. Yeah. Or even like the four-act structure. Yeah. But, yeah, but go on, yeah. But with uh, just different cultures, they have such a uh, hard time kind of adapting to invo- in incorporating other elements that from other cultures. Uh, one thing that I've talked about a lot is the pacing of movies in American film versus European or, or, yeah, or yeah. Asian no, film. Yeah, no, it's very different. It's and very, like, fast-paced, very short cuts in American filmmaking. Well, there's and, still ways to do it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, though, that most criticisms that you'd hear from people mm-hmm. are generally from the uninformed <laughs> or the yeah. people that don't know the other. Yeah. And that's why I don't consider their criticism's valid. Sure. But yeah, you're right. It's like we have trouble trying to assimilate that because it's either what we're not used to, right? But at the same time, it's like every day in our lives, books that we read, they have them in there. It's just that it's 
our mainstream media, like, you know, like movies, for example, they just can't seem to ever break away from them and people get all hung up on it. I don't know. And that's why whenever it goes, oh, the pacing was bad for that because, uh, well, then why can't they change the pacing? This is America. You got to change the pace. Like, no, there's ways to do it. No, but that doesn't always work either. Like there are so many times that there's been something adapted from like uh, uh, an Eastern film or like uh-huh. European film into an American version. Yeah. And the pacing changes to fit like American well, sensibilities and the movie sucks. That's not the pacing, though. Or that's not- because they, they, they try to condense a four act story into a three, a three act, act story, story. Yeah. And you can't do that. Like, there's a reason for those ebbs and, and flows. There's a reason for those those points that you got to hit. And, and that's not what, even uh, that the filmmaker is bad or anything. There's some really good filmmakers like I'm, well, yeah, the no, remake it's of Old come Boy that was Spike <laughs> Lee was it, and it adhered relatively close to the original, but it just kind of there it it missed it. It just yeah, absolutely well, missed. There, yeah, there was definitely some things that um, that I think was kind of a combination of both pacing and trying to change the structure of it. Mm-hmm. I guess to fit more of the sensibilities. Yeah. Like, they definitely had to have, like, that climax uh, at some point in shit. But meanwhile, like, the original film – I actually, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I remember the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an extended outro. Oh, absolutely. Like, that went on for oh, a long the, time. The, it was uh, – And I'm trying I, to think what – From what I remember in the remake, they just breezed over it. There was a TV series that I was going to bring up, and I can't remember, that the biggest action uh, episode of the series yeah. was always the second to last episode. Because yeah. you needed that outro. That's the whole episode to kind of like see the fallout, see how everything like ended up afterwards. And there's a lot of films that, you know, right after the action film, you walk off into the sunset and then it's the end of the movie. You know, yeah. uh, I like having a little bit of extra at the end. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's what I liked about stuff like that. Um, uh, Denouement is fucking important. You need yeah. to have that in your story. And like when you cheap out on that, you cheap out the audience on an ending. Yeah. Like you cheap out on like uh, you basically withhold that closure and uh it's cheap that's why i don't Mm -hmm. like doing it like that and um sometimes when people try to do i mean obviously it can still work in a three-act story as long as the director understands that and they they focus also Mm -hmm. on like you know the on that part um but sometimes it's what they end up doing is creating a fourth act but buried yeah (laughs) and it still works like you know i said uh i'll I'll totally accept that it's a little nubbin of a fourth act yeah as long as it's there. And that's why it's like, I think, uh, if we're going to redo this, you know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. do any kind of reboot of a foreign film in particular, or a film so steeped in its sensibilities, yeah, you have to still honor that. You can't just squeeze it all into a three-act structure. That's why I was saying, like, you know, like a Netflix series or any kind of, any streaming service. Anyone, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want the guy that'll bring you money? I can do it. But, no, no seriously, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, they... um that's where a lot of people go wrong. And mm-hmm. like, how do I know this? Because I'm watching both. You know what I mean? And I'm watching both like that sensibility and the other. And it's like, no, you're what you're doing is you're taking this and you're, you're taking a, uh, a star and squeezing it into a square peg. Yeah. Uh, a star peg and squeezing it into a square hole. And it's like, that's what you're doing with these stories. You're neutering them. And that's why people can't connect. Well, and that's why when I was thinking about how I wanted to kind of do my, my – uh... A reimagining, I guess, is probably the better way to put uh-huh. it. I still wanted to make sure that the uh, tonally, it still uh, felt like uh, like a samurai film, like a Zatoichi yeah. film. And so I was trying to think of a, a director that would really work for that. All right, and the first, on me. first one that I thought of, I was like, oh, I know. He's already done a, a Zatoichi film, which was Takashi Miike. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wait, no, that was Beat Takashi. Uh, well, I thought Mike. Takashi Miike did one as well. No, uh, I don't think that was him. I double-checked yeah. and it, uh, something came up. But if... 
Was it? I, I maybe. I mean, there's 26 films, so <laughs> that's very. Well, possible. yeah. Check out uh, Zatoichi 2000. What? I can't remember. Uh, but if you put uh, Takeshi, um, the guy's names. The director that I was thinking of that would still be able to kind of maintain that tone yeah. relatively well that I really deeply appreciate as a director is it was already brought up old boy but uh, Park Chan Wook. Um, yeah, no, that'd be the, great. The Vengeance trilogy. Oh yeah, is no, that's fantastic. absolutely phenomenal. Oh, he knows how to shoot a film and talk about like the loner that you know it yeah. goes more on a kind of a revenge tear uh, a tear in those movies, but it definitely. Well, he can definitely play up the aspects of the the darker aspects of humanity. That's that's what you need. But the thing is, though, it wouldn't as long as he would make sure it's not to that level where it's psychological horror. Which I mean, technically, you could still do that in a Zatoichi film, but I think you'd have to have a an anthology series for that. Um, It'd be a horror movie. We were both kind of right with Takashi Miike. He directed a stage version uh, of Zatoichi. Okay. So, <laughs> so yes, he did do Zatoichi, but not okay. in a in a film version. So yeah, that's that's where that is. So who did the other one? Um, the, was it uh, Beat Takeshi? The two thousand film. Yeah, two thousand one. Uh, I think. But I I figured that. Because I get to j- decide um, the, way that, <laughs> the way that I want Zatoichi to be is not yeah. ne- necessarily in a in a post apocalyptic tone, but definitely a dystopian environment. Yeah. But you see some of that in, in these villages and stuff that oh, happen yeah, where yeah. It's, it's downtrodden, it's banged Dude, up. It's dystopian is uh, just a great allegory for uh, depression. Yeah, like you know, so that that can and that's what was going on too at the time. It was like you know during famine and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So you could easily, oh yeah, yeah, that'd be a great freaking. Like you said, also, uh, Book of Eli was essentially, yeah, essentially. I mean, you even have the blind dude that yeah, you know they don't realize that, until yeah, the end that he's the unassuming a, badass loner, and that he he wants to be left alone. <laughs> and yeah, like, so if you, yeah, that would be a great like uh, film where it would be like uh, just him wandering like a wasteland. I guess, or kind not of. necessarily a wasteland, but like a where civilizations being rebuilt. Yeah, kind of where the you know even some of the like smaller cities and stuff that uh-huh. you know the bigger cities you're going to have um, a, an element that survives even in the toughest. You know that yeah, end yeah. up end up basically the one Dude, percenters. That'd be awesome, that, yeah. Um, but then the outlying cities and small towns are kind of just broken down. Buildings are falling apart. Basically, mm-hmm. a lot of people Detroit, are just getting by. On a lot of Detroit's. A yeah. whole, whole lot of Detroit's. And I've been to Detroit. Chicago's. And I had a great time. Yeah, in Chicago as well. <laughs> I've been to Detroit, had a great time, as long as I didn't think too much about why so many buildings were falling apart and being abandoned. You know, like the, yeah. the, the actual, like, just the, the downfall of Detroit. And because that's deeply depressing. And, yeah. but I, I think that would be a wonderful backdrop to show. Fuck you know, yeah. what one man can do, you know, when uh-huh. he's standing up for, for good or for, you know, yeah, for yeah. the person that can't stand up for themselves. Exactly. Because you'll definitely have that element of the the strong preying on the weak. Yep. And like um, dystopian definitely is like grade A, you know, that what better way to show that story, you know, and that's one of my favorites also. And it's a shame because there really aren't too many, no, not, well, not too many high quality. As ones, much I as say. I appreciate post-apocalyptic, it seems that either it's a uh, dystopian sprinkled uh, future sci-fi movie mm-hmm. uh, that's not quite dystopian. And then yeah. you've got then just straight up post-apocalyptic where it's well, just like everything has fallen yeah. apart. And there there is a nice nuance between where it's like before the like it build up to the downfall of society. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where you get a lot more interesting stories is mm-hmm. where you're seeing people that used to have that don't anymore yeah. and how that how that affects the breakdown of society where people remember 
being, you know, having food and having a place to live and having jobs mm -hmm. and then to just don't anymore. That's that's way more of a uh, conversation about human experience yeah. than the post-apocalypse where it's like, oh, I, we, you know, what they, they called oil black stuff in Waterworld, you know, even though, <laughs> even though they had cigarettes that weren't wet, you know, but well, I don't, don't knock them, though, because, you know, honestly, I, I will defend Waterworld. <laughs> I, it I'll, went all in. It it's, wasn't, better, it's better than the Postman, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, but, anything is better than the postman. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I deeply enjoy post-apocalyptic films as well, but yeah. I just think that there's a lot more opportunity in uh, just a kind of pre-apocalyptic dystopian kind of environment, oh. pre, pre reaching up to the downfall of a society that yeah. I think before is it shifts into the new. Yeah, so like the kind of halfway point is that we're talking about, like you know, before it becomes say Fury Road versus how <laughs> Mad Max One. Was yeah, like I'm thinking like had kind of, of in society. the element of uh, kind of um, Ready Player One. I kind of had a, a little bit of okay. a dystopian element. Uh, v for Vendetta, of course, 1984. Like yeah. these these films where there's oh, oh okay, I get what you're saying. Where there's now. yeah, you know, I thought talk... you meant like you know where something happened now everything is destitute, but it's no, like on a, just on the it's, cusp. It's getting there. It's yeah. getting right there where you have uh, th those that have power have tried to put a stranglehold on anybody yeah. else so they can maintain okay. power so tell me who would how, how would you frame your story who, who's going against who how is he getting drawn into it uh the drawn into it really spit is gonna ball, be yeah um i don't want it to be some just like overused trope of it's like you know a cousin or like a, a brother or something that gets in trouble and they have to help him out kind of thing yeah. that's 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 overused i also don't want it to be just a circumstantial thing, which tends to happen with the Mad Max films as well, and very. Mm, I th I think you need to have it circumstantial. Though. Well, to a because degree. I mean, to yeah, a degree. to a degree. Like, because yeah. he has to have some agency, but a large amount of it. Uh, well, with Zatoichi in particular, is that he kind of gets dragged into it unassumingly. Like so, all right. Not all the time. Obviously, there's yeah. parts where he becomes the the, the justice. You know that uh, these people were being denied. Yeah. But other times he's reluctant. Well, and that's the reluctance is I do want to definitely lean on that a little bit more that yeah. uh, basically Zatoichi walks away. Yeah. At first. Um, like, it's like, fuck this. He's done that. I really want that to be uh, the... Chest of Gold, I think it was. Okay. Or, or something. Um, or The Doomed Man. Yeah, Zatoichi, The Doomed Man. Okay. Uh, where he has to save a death row inmate that he was in prison with because he was in for a lesser charge. And the guy is like pleading to him. He's like, no, I'm innocent. You have to talk to this guy. And I think he was watching like, uh, I don't know if that guy was telling the truth. Every time I go on these little adventures, shit goes wrong. It was like super meta. <laughs> yeah. Where he was even on his own like, yeah, no, I don't want to do this. And he walks away. And then he ends up getting pulled back into it. Anyway, and that's but, kind of what I want yeah. is that actually kind of almost against his so will, he ends up. Wrong. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, when you have 27 films, you know, well, you got a lot of ground that you covered. As long as you do it right, you know, just hit all those plot points. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm basically figuring that it's one of those like walks away. I don't want to get involved. Uh, there's way too much at stake. Uh, they've won already kind of tone where like the bad yeah. guys already won. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing I can do. Yes. Like good luck. You know, I, I'm. Don't, not hoping you get hurt or die or anything, but yeah. also I'm not going to put my ass on the line and just have him roll out. And then because of the nature of this world, uh, he gets into trouble anyway. Yeah. Even avoiding it by not helping other people. And um, at that point kind of turns and and realizes that you can't you can't hide from this. You know, this it's it's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's the rocket <laughs> raccoon in Infinity Wars. Like, let's go to the end of the galaxy. Yeah. Where uh, or no, in Guardians 2, where 
um, let's go to the end of the galaxy where they aren't, you know, and yeah. and hide. And they're like, no, this will get to you eventually. Mm-hmm. It's like, do something now. Yeah. Or die slow. Yeah. Basically. Basically. You're basically just dying. You're going to die a slow death. No, that's fucking. That's. How is that the Witch movie would work also? Yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm in agreement. Yeah. I'm in agreement. Okay. So, like, so he'd be pulled into something. Um, would he be going up against, uh, like, yeah, like, how, how would you frame it? Like, just keep going. Like, who, who would you cast now? I'm now going to try and bring it back to. The casting is a little bit tough, but I think. Um, and keep in mind, you don't, t- to me, you do not at all need to uh, try to be PC, I guess, because, like, this is such a universal story. No, it's it's not even about, like, being PC so much. It's it's that, like, how to give it something fresh and new without taking away from the general tone of it in the first mm-hmm. place. And one thing that you really touched on that I liked about these films is that it's uh, the disenfranchised that are being... Yes, uh, it's always been. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, for these films in particular, like, you know... And that's where there's a common area between uh, the the, you know, the the badass and the disenfranchised is that both are seen as basically lesser than. Yes. So why not uh, kind of incorporate that more by making the, uh, the, you know, the making the Zatoichi character a woman. They already did that though. They did that already. (laughs) So there's nothing new that I can come from. this. It was, it was a one. It was a modern one that that I was talking about. There are like two modern films. Well, three modern films. Uh, but when I say modern, as in like, you know, there are still period pieces, which is like, why'd you do that? You could easily, I mean, they have yeah. the freaking rights. You could just translate it to something else if you needed to. Cause they, they the, where they went wrong, where, where Ichi went wrong, which was the one with the, uh, the, with the lady and, uh, Zatoichi the last went wrong is that they weren't samurai films anymore. And that's where they fucked up. Okay. It has to be both. You can't just focus on one thing or the other. And, um, they kind of, uh, yeah, they, it, it just, it flew over their heads. They weren't terrible per se. I can't ever, you know, claim that either because, like, you know, but they weren't very good either. Well, it's it's one of those when you have somebody that understands the property enough that yeah. they understand why it's good. Yeah. You know, then then you're going to get better filmmaking if it's just trying to capitalize on the property. He already had a handicap either way, like, you know, with blindness. Um, and not that I'm <laughs> insinuating that, like, you know, being a woman's a handicap – yeah, physically speaking, sure. I could see it definitely, like you know, presenting it as like you know within society. Yeah, like, who would they take seriously? You know, if you're like this super in like this world where everyone's all doing like you know crazy kung fu and shit back mm-hmm. in the day. If it was a period piece, like you know, it was uncommon. That's why I'm saying it would. It, yeah, that definitely would work, and that's one of the reasons why they went with that. Um, it wasn't because it was a woman that it failed, in my opinion. It was because they just didn't honor the, yeah. uh, the source material. Um, they didn't do a good job of making a good movie, period. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they focused way too much on slow-mo. For a movie about a dude with lightning f- – uh, with a master with yeah. lightning fast reflexes, and you put nothing but slow-mo. Yeah, and this that is, make That's sense. also one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way with the uh, uh, the the modern one with uh, Takashi, Pete Takashi. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know what? I have to look it up. So if you want to cut this little – part out where i'm just well i can go into a little bit more yeah. of my ideas uh okay. a bit is that i was debating between uh ming na wen and michelle yo as the main uh i like michelle yo i love michelle i Yeoh. just saw her in a movie uh it was an Ip man movie which those spin-off. movies too are fantastic oh yeah no, I and love that's those. actually what i was talking about Ip mm-hmm. man movies they were yeah. musicals why do you think they work so well 
because they focused on the drama, which was the fighting. The fighting had the drama, and then that's why those fight scenes came out really good because it's a musical. They, it was a four act musical, and it also has that kind of unassuming <laughs> yeah. badass. It uh, Man element. One and It Man Three. You can skip two. <laughs> I don't know if I even saw two. It Man Three. That's when we tried to start his own school, right? What's up? Uh, it Man Three. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, It Man Two is where he tried to start his own school, but uh, they um a little bit of weird background with the uh uh the industry, film industry in China, because now that I've been there and also I've seen like you know how a lot of it works, uh they do get a lot of government funding. Yeah. Because that's so, essentially what it is. So you can't get away anymore for making political pieces and shit or treating some things. There, There's always going to be that political agenda. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be devoid of art, though, because obviously you still have artists working on them. But It Man 2 was very much a product of that. Yeah. Um. So a lot of that nationalist uh, kind of stuff was emphasized more to a point where you're just like, all right. Oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, shut up. And plus, they didn't really do a good job choreographing the boxing. Okay. Because he fought a boxer. And then meanwhile, It Man 3 was their apologies. Oh, no, this is how you do a boxing versus kung fu scene. Let's get fucking Mike Tyson to show up and one of the most visionary fucking directors to do that, Yun Ping, to come there and help come up with how they would fight. And that, hands down, is like, it's this generation's uh, Jackie Chan versus Benny the Jet Arquidez. Like, we literally got to watch two people at their fucking prime just beating the ever-living shit, shit out, out of each, each other. other yeah. In the most beautifully choreographed mayhem. And it still looked like they were really fighting for their lives. That's how you do it good. It's because they had the drama. It's a musical, musical, musical. <laughs> when I say I, my version, that yeah. me, the, the, how I would make it a musical, I'm not talking like it'd be, you know, there'd be song and dance numbers. No. The, the dance numbers are just the fight scenes. And well, I would focus on that rhythm, but... But yeah. there is music that's definitely heavily Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be part of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're going to have those drums that dictate, like, you know, why he's able to finally get into the rhythm of his opponent. Mm -hmm. yeah, because he's blind. He can't see them, so how is he going to sense it? Through the rhythm. He's going to be like, okay, so now they're placing their steps like here, but meanwhile, now he can find where that rhythm is, so it turns into jazz, or it turns into, like, these African drums when he's fighting this dude that's, like, you know, using capoeira. Yeah. Okay, I said African drums, and that's totally wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know what you, know, you mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, or hell, maybe we don't, I don't know all the African fighting arts. I would be great to finally bring those out. So now you've got like this multi tiered. Oh, no, I'm going back to mine. No, let's talk about yours. <laughs> well, no, let's let's go back to yours a little bit because we are getting to the point where we got to do our mashups and then get into uh, okay. like the, uh, the, the trailers that we do at the end of this yeah. as well. So, okay. which, uh, which I'm actually really looking forward to this one. <laughs> The, the like breathy martial arts trailer kind of thing as I'm going to try to do. But um, as far as yours go, so yeah, yours is going to be um, like urban musical, but not with song necessarily so much as the music being heavily incorporated yes, into like the, the martial soundtrack, arts. the soundtrack. Oh, it's going to have to be the most brilliantly sound design thing because the way I want to do it, portraying blindness, a lot of people get it wrong. And this is also where I feel the Beat Takeshi film got it wrong was um, the visual palette. Mm -hmm. Most of the films have always been colorful. Okay. They they and I think it's kind of a cop out to portray your world as bleak and stark and gotcha. one color palette mm -hmm. uh, to represent his take on blindness. And the only other color that pops out is blood. It's like I get why they did that, and I get why they used CG blood because they wanted it to be this this thing that interrupts this starkness. And it's like no, you had something going good. His whole sight not being there and then he was hearing these songs when he was traveling mm -hmm. they had like these little moments where they had these guys hoeing the ground the farmers were hoeing the ground yeah. and suddenly became this rhythm 
and then they dropped it. It's like, no, no. <laughs> that was a brilliant way to display how he makes his way through the world. Yeah. And then like so then and then what they what you end up getting is this drab one note look of a movie. And like it wasn't that it was poorly shot. It wasn't. It was brilliantly shot. The sure. the, the lighting, the cinematography it was all good. I loved it. But it was not the Zatoichi film that we could have gotten because like they focused so much on that rather than the other aspects. And I, it also I'm sorry if I keep interrupting, but what better way of doing that than by showing the audience as well as telling them so you'd have brilliant sound design with massive primary color usage. Mm -hmm. So it'd be this bright, colorful world, especially if you're talking about a criminal underworld. John Wick was not one note color. It was a very colorful movie. Mm -hmm. One and two, both of them, they were colorful movies. Yeah, very stylized, yeah. very, very bright neon. And that's and... what I would have it. It's like this underworld where, and so obviously what's going to come with that is music and mm -hmm. be it score, which it's mainly primarily going to be, but you're also going to have a lot of like, you know, musical numbers because I want to, ha I want to feature bands because a large amount of the, also what made the Zatwitch films is he would run into traveling artist uh, troops mm -hmm. like performers that would put on plays and he would travel with them or they would be become embroiled in it so a better way of updating that now is performers at a casino in nice. an underground fucking criminal empire right and then now you've got your song and dance numbers and then you've got the score which would be like these awesome percussion you know what I mean like mm -hmm. it'd be like this tribal this this like no, even like you know, even other other music like you know, industrial and shit. Like I have mm -hmm. my ideas already for like who I want to be badasses and shit like that, which I'm gonna incorporate. Um, and like each one's gonna get their own type of music, per se, according to their fighting style. Sure. But then like you know, it's like it would be like this whole thing where he's going up the tiers to face the final master or something like that, or to face the boss who's not necessarily like a fighter, but like okay, no. This ends here now. <laughs> sure. And like justice will be given and peace out. Now I'm gone. And like it would be like one of those things and like it would work really good as a movie as long as like, you know, uh, we respect the four act structure and respect those four pillars. And it would feature all of that because it's this criminal underworld with a huge focus on sound design. Yeah. You know, visuals are going to be very important, obviously, because you're going to want it to look good, but that shouldn't be the focus. It should be very good. You know what I mean? I'm sure. I like the way I would do it. Brilliant lighting in the form of, like, say, Roger Deakins or um, I got well. You know, he's the easiest thing to look to because his light work in uh, Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that fucking top balls notch. out amazing? Yeah, and like that's the kind of thing that I would want to uh, aspire it to be. Like, you know, I want to focus on that, but also primary colors because I we can simplify it without having to make it one note. Sure. We can simplify the connections that we make, like, you know, the color of the coins or stuff like that, why this one room in particular is of particular importance to, to Zatoichi when mm -hmm. he walks in. And we can translate that with the soundtrack, the, like what's playing in the music, um, and connecting it with the sounds that he's walking through. Well, and that's something that you mentioned is the, uh, the, the hose hitting to a beat and, like, why didn't they incorporate yeah. that more? And I just thought how brilliant it would be to just have – even one scene that really drove home how he's able to maneuver so well through a cityscape yeah. is that just with the varying levels or uh, clarity of different sounds throughout the cityscape, it's yeah. almost like it's it's almost like uh, touching a base yeah. uh, like further down the street as it, but here's the these too. notes dictate that you're at this part of the street and it, if you do it right, you could really well, show yeah. that off to the audience. On yeah, how and they would chat like how he would sense it and stuff. Um, but the thing is, though, he can't be omnipotent too because he still has to be the unassuming badass. Sure, he still has to fight. 
and you don't want it to be super over fast. Like, you know, that's why, like, you know, when he fights the, uh, the thugs, it's over really quickly. It's usually when they throw large numbers at him that he starts to struggle or when mm-hmm. he fights another master. Um, and, but usually those are the ones that change everything. Cause when he finally beats the, uh, when he duels the master mm-hmm. and wins, everyone else backs down because that was the ultimate, you know, sure. Bad guy. And that's why it's like for, for that, like, um, he can't be like Daredevil. Daredevil was inspired by Zatoichi. Zatoichi should not be inspired by Daredevil. Yeah. He can't have superpowers. He can't just suddenly know. That's why it's like having the uh, displaying how he's able to hear. But for me, I would like to give him super limitations. And like that's why it's like he's going to be losing these one-on-ones with these other masters, these lower masters, sub-bosses, sure. uh, at first because he has to figure out their rhythm. Like, you know, so one person's going to be fighting with, like, uh, with, uh, prog metal, for example. <laughs> no. Meshuggah. Because I fucking love Meshuggah. Yeah. Right? Hell yeah. You're going to have all those starts and stops. And at first, it's going to seem confusing. Like, holy shit. This guy's just wacky, out of control. These moves are coming out of nowhere. So he's going to kind of struggle a bit. And then when he finally realizes, oh, no, wait. There's a pattern to it. Mm-hmm. You know, dun, 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 dun. oh, it's the fucking hi hat. Yeah. And suddenly, you're going to see him kind of vibe with it. And then boom, 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 boom. It's over in like a few moves. Sure. Or maybe a prolonged scene where he's like, no, no, okay, I get it. Boom, oh, what? no, I missed that there. And then boom. Then finally the closer. It's not going to be this thing where it's going to escalate like in traditional Chinese Kung Fu movies. Um, it's going to incorporate elements of that where you're going to have that struggle. But then when he finally gets it, it shouldn't be a, don't prolong it. He, yeah. he, got, he gets it. So it's over in one hit. And that's how that's how I would play out those fight scenes. So, so it'd the be real, both the real strength uh, with uh, the Zatuichi character is that uh, obviously a skilled master fighter. Yes, but also adaptability is the real key. Oh yeah, to... no, and that's that's what he's always been able to do in yeah. all throughout the movies. I mean, obviously, once again, they don't always display it as uh, subtly, or sometimes they don't even display it at all. You just see him do it. Yeah, but sometimes, yeah, he you you see the struggle. And what better way to show that now is to focus on what is the struggle and then boom, especially if you have all that room that you need to in like, say, a, a series or like a series of films. Mm-hmm. So like now would be a great time to freaking do them. And um, shit, I was about to actually talk about something else too real quick, um, but it's gone. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, again, with most of the stuff that we talk about, it's so easy to get carried away where we could do this for yeah. literally hours. Yeah, but we're, we're keeping focused. It's yes. just that this is so much to talk about. There's so much. It's such it, a it's, massive yeah. uh, undertaking. It's, it's not massive in its difficulty. Yeah. It's just there's so much that we could draw from and so sure. much good that can come out of the different things. That's why I'm saying an anthology series would be brilliant. Well, that brings us to as far as drawing from uh, one thing that I always enjoy on Smack My Pitch Up is the idea of mashup stuff that wouldn't necessarily always go well together <laughs> or stuff that it's like, why hasn't it been mashed up before? And I have a perfect response to one of them that's already been done that you're going to YouTube later. Okay. Go on. Um, like we did for uh, for He-Man, we incorporated uh-huh. the flat, or, uh, Flash Gordon into He-Man and it seemed to make like a lot of sense. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> like, it makes a lot of sense that those would be, like, a yeah, shared universe. and uh, The cheesiness of both. Yeah. And it really works. Yeah, it would absolutely work. So that's kind of one of the, what I love about this part is figuring out uh, what maybe kind of weirdly makes a lot of sense. And what's hard with Zatoichi is that it's so all over the map as far as adaptability goes that... that I mean, it could work pretty well with, with that. With a lot of different stuff. Uh, what I think would be kind of fun, though, is if you go with the traditional American, uh, like, car race movie, mm-hmm. like Smokey and the Bandit or something like yeah. that, 
uh, but you incorporate it where Zatoichi is not just necessarily a martial artist, uh, like badass, that as well, but also a master car racer as well. <laughs> and so you do the same tropes that are going on, but it's yeah. a road movie where they're yeah. on in, in this massive race. So what would his hidden weapon be? Because, I mean, I guess then we shouldn't really count uh, the hidden blade as the staple. Well, the blade would be replaced by the car. Okay. That a lot of the... So it's an unassuming car. It's an unassuming car. You wouldn't think much about it, but he's honed it so well. He's tweaked every little thing to it to exactly his specifications that he's able to drive it like... Yeah. Like a, a madman can you like ride on two wheels, can do all sorts of craziness. Would there be car combat? So what kind of, what level of car combat are we talking about? Well, my level would get to an absurd, almost cartoonish level. Well, I don't, I don't mind. I love yeah. that. Are you kidding me? I, lo- I was one of those guys that loved Speed Racer. Well, and that's kind of what I was thinking with this too, is that thinking about Speed Racer yeah. as the Zatoichi character. Now, as far as- That would be fucking Now, blind <laughs> is where it gets difficult with no, car racing. I'm pretty sure that you can- Find different ways to get around that. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if it's gonna be, if it's gonna bear the Zatoichi name, he has to be blind. That's sure part of the whole thing. Sure. But yeah, we could probably like come up with something. Well, right? even if you do kind of a futurist thing where feel the road, where the vibrations from speakers inside the car give him an uh-huh. idea of what distances are where, kind of thing. If this is somewhat into the future, maybe he's one of the people that helped develop a tech that allows him to kind of plug into the car and yeah, not necessarily see through it, but can sense, and mm-hmm. that's why. Because remember, we have to make sure he's not omnipotent either. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I just think, you know, the Blind Swordsman meets Car Race movie would I be like a lot of fun. I dig it. So. I think that would be fucking, that would be a great film. I would definitely watch the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> shit. And then, who would you have direct that then? Because I, obviously, I would say George fucking Miller. Like, George right Miller is a great, great, uh, great get. But um, I was thinking, actually, just to, if you're going to go over the top. Uh, go with uh, what's his face that he did Star Trek Beyond, but he came from Fast and the Furious. Oh, Justin Lin. Justin, yeah, Lin. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he would be perfect. He would that. be a great choice for that. I wasn't too much of a fan. I think of what was the one where they they had uh, them fighting the tank. Oh, that was the. I, that's where I fell off. I think that was because it was one. way too fantastical. Uh, but... That's kind of where I started getting into. it, Actually, <laughs> I went the other way okay. where. I saw the first movie years and years ago, and I was yeah. like, this is just a trashy... Like, I went to street races growing up. Like, yeah, yeah. In- oh, yeah, no. Anyone that was a street race fan could tell you that movie was kind of garbage. Oh, it was total garbage. <laughs> and then, so I never bothered with the rest of them, and I had friends telling me that, like, the the later Fast and Furious movies, they're so over-the-top, yeah. ridiculous. That like, they've become... They've, they're Looney Tunes. They're, they're basically like, like the cartoons. old 80s canon films. Yes. Like the crazy over-the-top absurd action movies and i love those how crazy is it that we are now in the society where our b-movie loves are literally the, the big, big blockbusters <laughs> yeah right and that's kind of when it was and put to me that way i was like dude yeah. I'm, I'm hyped for hobbs and shaw yeah as as stupid as that looks it's like obviously it's stupid that's a B movie brought to life with big budget. Yeah, uh, Idris Elba is like yeah. literally a supervillain. Like yeah. he's got like a mech suit thingy, and, uh-huh. and and then you've got them swinging around from rappel lines. That's a guy chasing an elevator at that speed, at the speed of fall. Yeah, this elevator's right. traveling at terminal velocity, yeah. and they're like smacking into each other and going fuck you <laughs> into like yeah, silently saying fuck you. It's like this is a cartoon. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I think sign me up. Some elements of that incorporated with a with yeah. a uh, Zatuichi kind of tone would be int- an interesting uh, okay. film, well, at, for, to say yeah. the least. Maybe not. Maybe not great. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, possibly. No, no, no. I 
I would still love to watch something like that because that's something that I would be interested in. And there's always going to be someone interested in that. That's why I'm saying like an anthology approach would work very well. Yeah. Like a se- like a season would be like four, four movies, one season, four movies, like each one about two hours long. Maybe you don't even need to make it two hours long, really. Cause like, what's the cost to make a, a whole season of like 10 episodes? It definitely costs more to make one movie, m- make more than one movie. Yeah. And like, um, you can easily do that, except now just get all these smaller films and have take them on because like all those tropes work so well with other other genres, and yeah. like it would it would feel like a Zatoichi film. So, like if you did that though, like I think that would kind of be on its own. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely a uh, ah. Let's give it a shot. Let's let's try it out. Let's see how this works. I like it though. Uh, yeah, definitely. I I would I would like to see it kind of a mix then of uh. Yeah, no, no, not the Justin Lin Fast and Furious. I would say it would be a mix of uh, be- Fury Road and Speed Racer. So it'd be brutal, but um, very stylized. Though I would want to call it the Blind and the Furious. That would be. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not that clever. No, I'm not no. going to come up with anything no, on that level. Not- that was great. <laughs> <laughs> the blind-, blind-, blind Max. Uh, we're not going to. No, 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 no. That I thought Blind and the Furious. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah. Blind and the Furious. No, that was yeah. fucking perfect. <laughs> I can't, uh, yeah, no. For mine, I don't know what I'd call mine. <laughs> my weird mashup. So your mashup is, uh... Well, I think, no, I think my mashup would be, uh, what I was just talking about. Well, actually, no, no, that's cheap enough. What would I, what should I do? Um, like, as far as a film or, or, a, or a TV property or what, what would you, or even literature, literature-wise, if you want to do, I don't know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein mixed, mixed with Zatoichi. Oh, no, dude, that would be great. Dude, you have all the elements you need. Yeah. And if it was a period piece and like, you know, uh, where did that take place again? Where uh, was the like, original story? Was that? Uh, uh, Victorian England, I think. Yeah. Actually, no. You know what I would do it? French Revolution. French Revolution? Yes. Okay. It'd be a period piece. Um, you can actually even have the same kind of idea about the blind guy, unassuming blind guy wandering from town sure. to town. Fighting against uh, all the injustices. Um, of which there were many back then. Yes. <laughs> at that time. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I'm an admitted uh, kind of fan of uh, French period films. Okay. Yeah. They are fantastically boring. <laughs> you could have a no, moment where the they're guillotine great. itself is used in some kind of fancy way. Because they, way. they were very politically motivated at the time when they uh, they deal a lot of that. Um, although, you know what? No, nah, I'm being totally unfair. Uh, to be honest, like one of my favorite ones is uh, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh, I love Blood. Yes. Oh, such a good movie. Brotherhood of the Wolf with Zatoichi. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go. So it is. That's is, my match. Is Zatoichi a werewolf or no? Uh... See, there's another story that yeah. I would totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, no, it's, it's weird because all the mashups I'm coming up with are also just genre films in general. Yeah. So apologies if I'm not being as specific as you want. No, 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 this. no. You're fine. That's that's kind of the thing. There isn't really any like hardline rules for yeah. this. So then one of my ideas then would be a demon hunter Zatuichi. Absolutely. He's uh he is he himself would be the the demon of vice. Okay. But he's not necessarily bad, and neither are all the other demons. But he has he he goes and he finds the ones that prey on humans. So okay. you can even work if you want to keep it uh, Japanese. You can work in like a lot of the Japanese uh, mythology, mm-hmm. or you could just let's fucking go full blown supernatural. Yeah, and now we've got a TV show. Boom! There you go. There you go. Demon Slayer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the Blind Demon Slayer. I yes. dig it. He I goes dig around that a lot. He needs to like find the people that like you know, and then like that's how he, that's how he also finds them too because they don't know that it's actually oh no, it's you. 
Like he's in the form of a blind guy. See, then... it's it's moments like this that I think that if there was just one Netflix exec that like didn't even give us credit but just listened to this podcast and were like, all right, cool, we're, we're going to send that down the pipe, then we start getting all yeah. the things that well, we they can't <laughs> take my fucking idea because I when I do my idea, it's going to be done so good. I'm sorry. I'm you, just like you can take Blind and the Furious. That's fine. I'm not planning on doing anything <laughs> with that. That is okay. I, hey, Netflix or any other streaming service, I would still pay to watch that. So I'm saying don't. Single that out. Fair enough. All right, now we're uh, we're at the tail end, so we got to do our trailers here. So I'm gonna uh, let us figure out music. Uh, did you want to go first? You want me to go first on the trailer? You go first because I have no idea what to do. Okay. Well, the thing is, I never plan ahead on my trailers, so yeah. I think it's more fun, honestly, to just go off the oh cuff with God. it. So. I'm gonna be so terrible. Oh no, it's always <laughs> terrible. That's the fun part is that it's absolutely fucking terrible. Yeah. So uh, let me get the music going here. In the not-too-distant future, eyesight is no longer needed to become king of the road. This summer, Zaitachi takes it <laughs> on the road. Follow him as he uses his abilities as a uh, mechanic and his skills as a blind uh, badass to circumnavigate the American West in a race for glory. This summer, watch him take on uh, uh, lead face and and uh, 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 <laughs> transmission man. I don't know. There's some bad guys named after car parts that he has <laughs> to take down this summer. Blind and the Furious. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah Thanks. your idea that you. Don't have to be good because uh, clearly I've been doing this this whole series I, and am ter- terrible at it. So I am terrible at uh, improv when I'm on the spot, but I have an ideas. So I have an ideas. You have an ideas. <laughs> okay, let's see. I think I have your music. So, yep. Here we go. He is a traveling blind masseuse. She is the head of a criminal empire, and together they are in love. (laughs) From the people that brought you Sleepless in Seattle, and you've got mail. (laughs) Zatuichi in love. Remember, love is blind. Oh no! Oh no, no, no! Oh, that was too good. That was too good. I want to be mad at you, and I just can't be mad at you. That was uh, that was too brilliant. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, uh, that might be the name of the episode. Actually, is "Love Is Blind." Uh, so yeah, that that is our uh, our episode of Smack My Pitch Up, all about mm-hmm. the Zatoichi and Samurai films and uh, yes. our weird ideas for how to. Oh my god, if there are any other Zatoichi film lovers, please hit me up, because there's just so much I want to talk about, and like, I'm just saying, like, I am personally working on, like I said, my own little project, and hopefully I'll be able to do something with it, but like, you know, I'm always, I'm totally down to like, listen to like, other people's interpretations, and like, just talk about like, that general idea of this, this trope, that it, it, that came from this, you know, and it's just, awesome <laughs> yeah. it's like one of those things where i just didn't realize how awesome it was until i started re-watching all of them you know what i mean because i hadn't seen all of them yeah only a few when i was growing up and well i did the same thing uh not too long ago with the godzilla films because i'd mm-hmm. seen a bunch of them growing yeah, up but... I, I need to do that again by the way yeah i need to uh, before king of the monsters come out 
All right, so that is uh, for this. Anything you want to plug or? No, not really. Okay. Um, Zatoichi. Yeah. I'm plugging Zatoichi. If you guys, it's out there. You you can find it. Uh, Quaterian's got a great collection. Watch it. And actually, you know, when I release this, I'll make sure to uh, get a link to that uh, through Amazon so people can find it pretty easy. Yes, so. please do. I am um, God. I, I don't know who owns rights now, but please contact me. <laughs> There's um, no better person because I understand it. I've been watching it now. I've, I'm in the. I'm in it right now. Yeah. And as someone that loves movies, I I can see the seams, like you know, and how well they're sewn. Sure. You know what I mean. So it's like I know why it works so well and why. They haven't been able to get it back because, like all the, mov- the, the movies that they, that they uh, released recently, like all the modern takes, they're just not that great because they aren't. They're not that great. Yeah, they, it, not necessarily just good movies. They're just not good Zatoichi movies. And it's not that hard to do a Zatoichi movie. It's just that you have to know how to do a Zatoichi. Movie. Yeah, that's the trick with yeah. you know. That's why a lot of this whole Universal Monster shit is going poorly because they yeah, don't because, know what they have. Yes, they don't know how to properly. They're trying to make a movie, but without it being this kind of movie. Yeah. So their, their, their focus is in the wrong things. Like, you can dress it up all you like. It can be, like, the most brilliantly conceived cinematography. You can have uh, Denis, you can have the Blade Runner team work mm-hmm. on a property. If they don't understand it, it's going to come out like a bad movie. Yeah. You know? And that's why it's like that's why it's important that you get someone that knows what they're doing. That's why I think 2049 looked as gorgeous yes. as it did. It's been somebody that absolutely had, like, Yeah, they understood. They understood love. the first. Yeah. And they understood how important that cinematography was. They understood the importance of the questions. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the first movie, why it was a cult hit, was because initially when it was released, it was a terrible studio hack job. And yeah. then only when they finally did the director's cut and when audiences finally warmed up to the uh, whole idea of questioning ourselves, mm-hmm. did it become resonant. And when you, in my opinion, the superior way of viewing that movie is that uh, it was being viewed through the main characters were the uh, replicants. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And that's why the second one did so well in my the second one was so good and tanked in theaters because nobody came to watch it, you Which fucking is assholes. Bullshit. Oh man, I love <laughs> I'm so so yeah. blown away. Especially yeah. in the theater. They, oh, they ran with that that aspect of the replicants being the main characters. Absolutely. All right, so uh, this is our episode for this week for Smack My Pitch Up. Um, please subscribe to all the GUI stuff. Um, go to GUIPodcast.com to get links to our social media. Also, uh, to let you guys oh, know we are going to be recording our first uh, live recorded podcast series on April 7th at the Dark Room in uh, Richmond, Virginia. There's uh, going to be links on the notes for this episode, and also it's going to be posted up on GYPodcast.com, all of our social media. Go ahead and follow Booze Clues is the name of the show, where we compile stories of people's drunken debauchery, and then we kind of fill in the blanks for you as (laughs) investigators, quote-unquote. It's going to be recorded live at the Dark Room, April 7th, uh, doors at 7, show starts at 8. Uh, it's free. So if you're 21 and up, come out and actually watch us record it. And uh, if you can't make it out, well, you're still going to get it as a podcast uh, once a month here at GYPodcast.com. Check that out. Check out all of the other stuff. And uh, also make sure to check us out at GalaxyCon, May 31st through June 2nd at the Richmond Convention Center. We're doing Smack My Pitch Up, this show right here. Uh, Geeks Under the Influence, Beautiful Disasters, and The Geek Father are doing live recordings there at at the GalaxyCon. Is there any way that I might be able to show up? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can can show up, but I don't know if you can be on necessarily. Uh, We're working on some possibly really fucking cool stuff. Oh, all right. So, uh, yeah, more of that information will come out as we get closer to the event. So, I am Mike the Hobbit, and as always, you just got pitch smacked.
GUIPodcast.com It's time to put on your party pants, Geeks, because on May 31st through June 2nd, Geeks Under the Influence Network is doing it live. Come out to GalaxyCon at the Richmond Convention Center to see Geeks Under the Influence, Smack My Pitch Up, Beautiful Disasters, and Geek Father doing a live recording of their shows. In addition, I will be on a panel called Adventures in Podcasting telling you how to get in and started on your very own podcast. There is plenty more in store coming from Geeks Under the Influence, so definitely stay tuned to our social media and GUIPodcast.com for more information. We have an event page on Facebook. If you look up the Smack My Pitch Up, Geek Father, Geeks Under the Influence, or Beautiful Disasters page on Facebook, you can find the event there or links on the homepage at GUIPodcast.com. Come out and join us or die live. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.